0: Thanks to Indeed for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, and then zero in on your short list of qualified candidates using an online dashboard. Get started today at indeed.com slash dream job. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you're having a great week. I just wanted to pay a tribute to my grandma Betty, who I loved so much, still love her. Um, she passed away a few years ago and she really was such an incredible example for me. She was the most compassionate person I've ever met. She used to say to me, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. And even though she had a rough, a rough childhood, she was always so grateful. She used to remind me, she used to say, before you get angry with someone, think about what might be on their heart and what they may have woken up with today. She loved baseball. She loved people. She loved Mexico. She visited Mexico seven times. She loved the food. She loved the culture. When I was in high school, she went back to high school and she got her GED because, um, she had to leave school in the eighth grade and she and I used to do algebra homework together. She was my biggest fan, she really was so proud of me. Uh, I wish I could share with her everything that's happened with the podcast and the book cause she missed, she missed all that, but I know she's, she's with me. She was so, so there for me. She was such a constant, you know, my parents broke up, but she always lived a block away. So her love was really steadfast. And, um, the day that she went to heaven, I remember, um, walking outside and the cars were driving so fast and i thought to myself don't they know don't they know she she passed away i was thinking like where is everyone going like why are the cars driving so fast and i realized that in that moment my world was no longer the same it was as if someone took the moon out of the sky my universe was was different it was just forever changed and um this week it was her birthday. So I just thought about her and I hope that, um, I can make her proud and just live on her legacy. We used to go to the, um, supermarket and she'd say to the cashier, have you had your hug today? And then she would give a hug to a total stranger. She loved dogs. She loved, she loved everybody. Um, and I just saw firsthand, you know, how a person can do so much good when they unconditionally love people. And and I learned that love is not something you have to earn. Love, if it's really love, it's something that's just given to you. And um, I just feel so proud that I got to be her granddaughter. And one other thing I just want to share is that I feel like we've all practiced not really letting ourselves feel joy. We don't really surrender to fully feeling joy. In fact, Brene Brown talks about this. She said that joy is scary. And, um, she remembers one time going out on a date with her husband and they had a really nice evening and they came home and they were walking up to the house and they were going to go see if their kids were still awake. And she thought to herself, God, I feel so grateful for my life. And she was just feeling so good. And about four seconds into feeling that feeling, she thought, oh my God, what if something happens? Oh my God, what if I walk inside and someone robbed the house or something? And she thought, wow, isn't that amazing? Like after feeling joy, you know, for even like four or five seconds, this fear comes over you. And so she said, it's because when we really sink into our joy, we feel vulnerable that maybe something could, you know, could take it away. And she said, that's so sad because then we We don't let ourselves fully feel joy because we're afraid that something might come to destroy it. So we don't let ourselves feel the joy because then we don't have to feel the fear. And so she said, one trick is that as soon as the fear comes in, you let yourself feel the joy. And then if the fear and foreboding sinks in, she said, switch to gratitude and just start thinking of how grateful you are. And maybe then you can hold on to the joy for a few moments longer. But I think about my grandmother because she really, really loved to have fun and really let herself feel good a lot. And when she was a child, she grew up in a tenement on the Lower East Side. They had very, very little, very little. She lived in a building with like 26 apartments and only one bathroom for the entire building. And her mother passed away, um, in the middle of the night, she got a telegram that her mother had passed away and she was left, you know, and they had, you know, really nothing. They were below the poverty line and she didn't have a mother and she was a kid, but she used to go up to Harlem and dance and Ella Fitzgerald used to sing at this club And my grandmother met my grandfather there and they would dance and they were such good dancers that they would be on the radio. That's what it was at the time. Like they'd have these announcers on the radio talking about the different dance couples and, and she loved to dance and she was very resourceful because, um, she didn't have money for stockings. So she would take eyeliner and she would draw a line up the back of her leg to make it look like she was wearing stockings. She said she had one dress, but she would wear it like three different ways. So it looked like three dresses And um, my grandfather, she met there dancing, and uh, they wound up falling in love. And she said he was always my prince because all I wanted was someone who would dance with me. And I thought about her the other day because I was driving in my car and I was was blasting music as I often do, and I was listening to Walking on Sunshine. And it's really hard to not feel good and crack a smile when you're listening to Walking on Sunshine. And I started to cry and I thought about her and how much she taught me to really let in the joy. And I remember Martha Beck being on our podcast and saying, that's the reason for being here. Remember, she talked about Martha Beck. She said that when she was pregnant with her third child, she found out that he had Down syndrome and she wasn't sure what to do. And she decided she would ask the doctor one question. And she said to the doctor, will this baby feel joy? And the doctor said, yeah, of course. She said that I'm going to keep the baby. I'm going to have this baby. She said, I realized that the reason life would be worth living is to feel joy. And she said, if you go to sleep at night and you felt joy that day, that's a productive day. And I think we forget, you know, the reason I do this show when you really boil it down is because I believe that if each person did the things that made them happy, and did more of the things that they felt brought them joy, that it reverberates. You know, we all want to change the world, but if we could just change our little corner of the world, just just change ourselves by um, giving ourselves permission to feel good, stepping into that, that would be amazing. You know, and uh, we wouldn't have to have these conversations and argue with each other about, stuff on Facebook or politics because we'd be busy living and being a light. So I hope that you guys feel joy today and I hope that you feel joy every day. So, um, thank you, grandma Betty and my, uh, my youngest daughter, Maddie, her middle name is Betty named after my grandma. So, so many cool things going on. We've got three more days for those of you who want to apply for the glow retreat. And I did post on Instagram, I'm going to do a scholarship giveaway. So you can find that link in the show notes to apply. You can find the scholarship giveaway in my Instagram. And I got one other cool thing to tell you. So this is a sneak peek. We are actually doing a two day live event in Los Angeles, separate from the retreat. This is going to be, you know, the retreat is for 18 people at my home, but we are doing a two day event called the arrive summit. Arrive Summit 2020. It's going to be for about 250 people at the Marriott and Beverly Hills. And we're pre selling the tickets before they go on real sale next week. If you want to check it out, they're right now half price. And you can find the link in my Instagram bio, or you can find the link in the show notes. It's going to be two full awesome days. And there's going to be four panels. You know how I do the whole archetype thing, maker, teacher, curator, investigator. There's going to be a maker panel, an investigator panel, a curator panel, and, um, and a teacher panel. And we're going to then break into groups and do some workshopping of your ideas. And it's going to be so fun. So you can go ahead and and grab your tickets because they're right now 50% off. If you go to the link in the show notes, or you go to the link in my Instagram bio before they go on full sale next week, I know it'll sell out because there's only two room for 250 people. And it's, it's a much less expensive, uh, ticket than to come to my retreat because my retreat is much more intimate. It's only for 18 people. It's three and a half days at my home, but this arrive summit is going to be awesome. It's March 22nd and 23rd at the Marriott in Beverly Hills. And we also have uh, a discounted room block if you want to stay at the Marriott. So go check that out. Okay. I'm really, really thrilled for today's episode because we have the amazing Julie Solomon here. She's an expert in digital marketing, PR, personal branding. She's a seven-figure entrepreneur. She's an amazing coach. She's worked with household names like Dave Ramsey, Lenny Kravitz, and she's interviewed awesome people like Marie Forleo, Rachel Hollis, Ali Webb. You may have heard her top-rated podcast, The Influencer Podcast, which has millions of downloads, and it's been in more than 170 countries. If that wasn't enough, Julie is also the creator of the Influencer Academy, Pitch It Perfect, and she has a new coaching membership called Shine. We're going to talk about that in more detail. She's so enlightening. She's an empowering person. If you want to get the rundown on branding, if you want to get your name out there, if you want to grow your influence and you want to do it from a really heart-centered place, Julie's here to show you how to do that. She has so many juicy nuggets of wisdom. So without further ado, please welcome the awesome Julie Solomon.
1: Julie Solomon, so happy you're here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that we're doing this.
0: What a trail you're blazing. So I want to get into all the things. I feel like before we get into what you're doing now, it might be nice for people to hear sort of how you got there.
1: So Mm. walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so I started in PR. So when I graduated from college, I moved straight to New York City. I'd never been there. I had no job. I had no friends. And um, I think what propelled me to go there was that I had always had this small voice within me that I I wanted to experience more. I wanted to see more. I'm originally from a really small town in Tennessee, and then I grew up in Nashville and, and went to college. A couple of hours outside of Nashville. So I really wanted to experience more. And so that kind of propelled me to go there and just figure it out. And I tried for months to get a job. And I was just doing whatever I could on the side, bartending, whatnot, to just kind of make ends meet because I was $30,000 in student loan debt. And uh, finally, three months in, after kind of couch surfing on a friend of a friend of a friend's couch. I got a job and I um, was really privileged at the time to be an assistant to a music publicist. And I worked at this agency. It was all women. It was one of the top music PR agencies in the country. It was very cool. I worked nonstop. I was paid $20,000 a year in New York City with $30,000 of student loan debt, you know. But again, I I, I tried to make it work as long as I could until financially it just wasn't feasible for me to do it anymore. So at that time when I was kind of looking around my environment and I saw these women who were just such forces of nature in their world, but I had to start kind of asking myself the question at 21 years old, do I want to be this in 10 years? And for me at the time, the answer was no. So I moved back to Nashville, Tennessee and applied to work for Thomas Nelson, which is now owned by HarperCollins. It's one of the largest Christian publishing houses in the world. And I started doing book publicity and I got to start working with some incredible people, incredible thought leaders like Dave Ramsey. And at the time, Mike Hyatt was the president and CEO of Thomas Nelson. So when I was sitting in my little cubicle, he was the boss. He's amazing. But uh, it was around that time that he started having kind of the, the the dreams that we now see in his life was starting yes. to kind of take hold. So yeah. he left, started this vlogger online, you know, entrepreneurial thing. And I stayed and I got to just continue to work on a lot of best selling books and, and really gain that corporate experience. But again, kind of like the same thing that I found in New York, I started to find in that windowless cubicle. Yeah. And I really just started looking around me and I was like, you know, everyone just kind of looks miserable. And I started thinking to myself, like, I don't think that we were put on this earth to be miserable. I don't think that we were put on this earth to work day in and day out at something that we truly don't love, that truly doesn't bring service and and light and brilliance to the world. Preach. And so I quit and I, I was terrified. I still had my debt at the time. I was also going through a divorce And uh, found myself in this just really scary place of what am I doing? What's wrong with me? I always kind of felt like something was wrong with me because I would even have my family being like, what's wrong with you? Like you had this great job. Why did you quit? And now you're divorced. And what are you doing with your life? And especially for someone like me that I was was raised to believe that the gooder I could be, the better, you know, just do what you're supposed to like just fit into this box and everyone's going to be happy. And so I had this very, this psychology within me that it was my job to please everyone else. And the more that I could please and appease and make everyone else happy, then the more achievement and claps and goodness and love and all of that stuff that I would receive. So, leaving the job and getting the divorce and kind of having everything stripped away from me, it also started me on this path of self-discovery of having to peel back all these layers and unravel the decade long of this belief system that I had growing up as a child, that it was my job to save everyone else, have no boundaries, and to be just this really unhealthy person in order to make everyone else around me feel better about themselves.
0: You're literally like you are speaking my life. There is such an epidemic of people shutting down and turning down the volume on what they truly know that they wish for and desire and who they really are because we want to please and because we were taught that love is something that you earn through being good and through meeting the needs of other people. And what I learned at Onsite is that love is something that can't be earned. If it's really love, it's just given to you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to earn it. And I think you've gotten to really taste that now in your life because you took that invisible key and opened up that invisible trapdoor for yourself. So what happened next?
1: Yeah. So around that time, I just started kind of being a contractor. You know, I went back to Thomas Nelson and said, Hey, you have some books. Do you want to outsource? And I can for them, Um, which they did. So they in turn became a client, which was amazing. And I tried just to kind of grasp, I knew some music managers that had some kind of up and coming artists that I could do stuff with. And I tried to focus in on what have I gotten paid for before in my life already? You know, even at 26 years old, like what has been proven that I can actually do and get paid to do? So I'm gonna go find that so I can just keep the lights on and like buy my ramen noodles and like pay my (laughs) deferred payments of, you know, student loans that had been deferring over and over and over again. And so I did that. And then at the same time, I really started to really take that internal inventory of, you know, what do I want in life? Like, this is where I am. This is where I want to go and what is keeping me from getting there. And so I started to really just ask myself what seems to be very simple questions, but they're questions that at least from my experience I would always avoid because they were very painful and they were very hairy and ugly and Mm -hmm. they weren't shiny and they weren't, they weren't simple. And I, I really had to kind of peel back a lot of layers of, you know, growing up in an alcoholic home and, and what that did, you know, for a child that was in an alcoholic home, and then being surrounded by untreated people who were also affected by the alcoholism, but since they weren't alcoholics, they didn't think that they needed help, right. and so it was just this culmination of a lot of untreated stuff, and a lot of just really um, untrue beliefs about myself and my family, and achievement, and accolades, and and purpose, and passion, and even compassion, compassion for myself. Like, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> like I couldn't even, I was compassion. What's that? And so if I couldn't have it for myself, how could I have it for other people? 100%. Um, so I, I really started diving into a few years of that. Um, this was probably between uh, 2011 and, and 2013. And within those two years, I met my now husband and we very quickly got pregnant. And he is an actor, and so was in LA and was living in LA and had lived there for decades. He's older than I am, about 15 years older. And so I had to leave Nashville if I was going to go and have a family. So I quickly found myself barefoot and pregnant and baking pies in Los Angeles with no friends. And in some ways it kind of brought me back to that New York time of my life that I had to kind of like, how do I make friends? How do I surround myself with people that, that inspire me and that I can learn from and that I can be of service to? And at this time, this idea of blogger, YouTuber, influencer, whatever people want to call it was becoming a thing. It was becoming a thing of um, awareness and it was actually becoming a thing that people were actually able to start monetizing and make a, a living off of. So in an effort to try to feel connected to this new community and to try to meet new friends and to try to find some sort of creative outlet, cause I was still doing this PR freelance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a blog it was like a mom, lifestyle, what's life, I don't know, <laughs> kind of thing. And it was great in the sense that it it taught me a lot about creativity and writing and what I liked to talk about and what I didn't like to talk about. But what quickly started happening was because I knew how to talk to people and market and network and pitch from my years of PR, I started to quickly monetize this blog to the point that I would have other girls that I was meeting in the community saying, how is it that you have 8,000 followers on Instagram and I have 100,000 followers, but I can't monetize anything and you're monetizing everything that you do. And I was like, well, I, I know how to do this. It's what I did for a living. So when I learned that that community of people really needed those resources from me more so than they needed you know, my five mom tips to breastfeeding or whatever it was that I was talking about at the time. Within about a year, I started to pivot the content that I was creating. I love that. I
0: really want to highlight this for the audience because that's it. You see guys how she starts. You start where you are, right? And then you listen for what your audience needs. And I never knew that, Julie. That's so cool to hear that. I love it. Okay. So you pivoted into that and you said, all right, I'm going to switch the content up. So you started to talk about how to, how to grow your.
1: Yeah. But you know, the the top five PR tips, every blogger needs to know how to authentically grow your following without worrying about a follower number, how to pitch brands and get a response back. I mean, just any of these kinds of very simple questions. And the thing was at the time, and I think this is important for audiences to hear. I didn't have a big audience. I didn't have a lot of people reading my blog. I didn't have a lot of people following me on Instagram. My Facebook was pretty much non-existent. I didn't really have a Twitter. I didn't have a Pinterest. What I was doing was physically listening to the community around me. You know, what were women saying in those mom groups? What were the women saying when I would go out and and have coffee or go to meetups or go to networking opportunities? Um, Because I think that that's a big feedback that I at least get in my audience, Kathy. And I don't know if you do as well, but it's like, how can I get feedback from an audience that I don't have? Well, you have someone, right? You, there's somebody within your network of community that you can start thinking, hmm, maybe this is the type of person that I need to be serving. What is this person saying? Yeah, what- that's what I always say is you might not personally have an audience, but your audience exists. Somebody else may
0: have already built it, or you might find the type, like you said, of person who would be in your audience, and you could just go to lunch
1: with them or ask them what they think, and then boom, you just got the data that you need. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yep. So I started doing that and I I did one blog post talking about this that I think the title was why I rebranded my blog and then tripled my engagement. And it talked about how, you know, I started blogging and I was basically just putting, you know, a, a different pair of handcuffs on me. They might've been prettier and shinier, but I was still kind of subjected to this, you know, to this brand paying me to this brand, rewarding me to these people following me. And it just did not feel morally in tune with what I was trying to do. And even though I was very isolated and alone because I wasn't sitting in my corporate world anymore, it was like I was still looking around and everyone was miserable. So I was like, what is happening here? So when I rebranded and I really started talking about the things that, that I really just naturally shined in from my years of marketing and PR experience and just what I love to do, which is fun, you know, to service people and, and to, to support them and to hold space in that way, you know, my blog traffic tripled. I started getting more followers. I started getting more intrigue into people saying, how can you help me more? How can I get more of this? Your blog posts are great, but what's the next step? And so from there, I created my first online program called Pitch It Perfect, which is still around today. Um, And it helps anyone that wants to learn how to pitch a brand or company to monetize and to collaborate with them. It teaches them a to Z exactly how to do that. And from that, that started to consistently monetize again, I didn't know how to create a course. I didn't know how to do a webinar. I didn't know how to run Facebook ads. I sure as heck didn't have any extra money falling from the sky to do all of this. That was years of tuning and tweaking and fine tuning. And then when I would make a little bit of money, I could invest a little bit more back in it. And uh, we launched that with pretty much nothing. And yeah. um, four years in, it's now an evergreen seven-figure automated program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This has been so awesome. But before we keep going, let's just take a quick ad break. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know if you made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash dreamjob and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash dreamjob. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. I think a lot of times people struggle with you know if i don't talk about something like you know the mom thing the parent thing and i switch into talking about business will i really be seen can i really do something authentic if it's something that i know really well but it's not some like piece of writing that's like a, a artistic magnum opus do you hear me julie do you know oh, what i'm yeah. trying to
1: say i love that you brought that up because From 2013 until 2016, when I created that first course and and all of those years that I was like trying to do this fashion lifestyle, mommy blog thing, and then I would pivot into the PR stuff. I would always kind of fight it, you know, as I mentioned before, my husband's an actor. And so I'd always feel like I needed this like artistic form of like expression. And he would just be like, Julie, just be Julie publicist. And I'm like, but no one wants that that's not fun. That's not, I mean, what's that going to do? You know what? No one wants me to talk about PR stuff on my blog. How boring is that? And he said that pretty consistently for about two years until I finally listened. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll do this one post. And it was that, that one moment that then helped me pivot and change the trajectory of my entire career as I know it today. Yeah.
0: And what I love about you and my friend Jasmine Starr you're so genuinely you like she's so genuinely her like you can be talking about business you can talk about the things that are easy for you cuz you like them in fact that's what's so beautiful about the the brand and the platform you built You've, you're showing people how to do it in a genuine way so i think a lot of times people are so afraid that they won't be seen that they won't be they'll be lost somehow Let's talk about that, what you're doing now, and let's talk about why business works best when it comes from that kind of heart-centered, deeply connected place.
1: Yeah. So what allowed me to kind of get to this place from that original place of business was that I gave myself permission to allow my passions to change and to allow myself to really dive deeper. Um, you know, my purpose has always remained the same, right? I, I want to leave the world better than I found it. I want to constantly be a student of of really understanding myself, understanding my defects, understanding my strengths, and how sometimes my my defects can be my strengths and and the opposite, and really getting to the root and to the core of. What makes people tick? What makes us stop from really achieving what we want out of life and really showing up and being able to be a conduit and really just kind of reaching back and grabbing the hand of the woman behind me and helping them get to where they want to go. And so my purpose has always remained the same, but my passion's have changed. And I think at first I was nervous about that. Like if my passion changes and that means that I failed and it's never going to work and what's happened. But when I started to embrace that, cause I look back and it's like, I started as a music publicist and then I went into book PR and then I went into blogging and then I went into online programs. And then I went into podcasting, which then, as you know, Kathy just opened it up to a whole other level of awareness and connection. It gave me a platform to have those deeper conversations and to really start going there and to really open up in a more vulnerable way. Yeah. And so the, the podcast and, and having that community and really taking action every single day and learning that. And it allowed me to continue to do that deeper work, which then now shows up in, in my coaching membership, which is, which is called Shine. And uh, it's for my community to really help them get out of the learning and into the doing, but the only way that you can do that is getting out of your own way.
0: I'm taking notes as you speak, because it's, you, you said a few things that I've never heard said that way. It's like mic drop. I love this idea that you gave yourself permission for your passions to change. And I love that you reiterated my purpose always stayed the same. My passions change. It really cuts through and and I feel like that's so life-changing what you just said. I also love that you just shared about podcasting, how it, I love the two words you use. It really builds the awareness and connection. I do think podcasting does that. Can we just, because my audience will be so mad at me if we don't talk a little bit about PR and all that stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Um, What are some of those things that we could do today, we could practice today that might start to build engagement in a real way for our following?
1: Yeah, it's kind of three things. So the first thing, and we touched on a little bit with purpose and passion, y- you got to know that those two things are different and what they are. So exactly what you said, I think a lot of times people mistake their passions for their purpose, and so if it doesn't work out or it doesn't happen, they feel like they failed, and what do they do? And, and yeah, you know, they're re- they're rejecting their true identity and the course that right. they are. And so my whole thing that I always say with people, it's like if you don't think that your passions can change, ask yourself if you're still in love with that person from fifth grade. Because unless you married that person, (laughs) I doubt that you're still in love with that person. And you might have been crazy about that person in fifth grade, right? But the purpose, your core, your why, why do you want to wake up every day and pick up this black addiction box that we call iPhones or Androids and share your voice and your heart with the world? Why do you want to take up space in the world? Why does that matter to you? You've got to get so clear on that question.
0: The why question, because that's, you're saying that's the thing that doesn't change. That's the purpose. And,
1: And it's also thinking about with that question, what problem do you solve? And I think a lot of times for people, they're like, oh, well, it's my, my why, my purpose is to connect people. Well, connection isn't a problem. So what problem do you solve? Do you solve the problem of helplessness because that's what keeps people from truly connecting or the problem of isolation because that's what keeps people from connecting or the problem of powerlessness because that's what keeps people from connecting? What problem do you solve? And that's, you know, what breaks your heart? That's really your why. And then your passions is what kind of gets people to that piece, right? So that may be the tangible things that you create or that you show up and do every day or that you share or that you service that should and will change and evolve and grow as you change, evolve, and grow. So getting clear on those two points. And then the next step, you have to know who you're talking to, where they are, and how they retain the results that you are promising them. Because the way that you talk about it, or the way that you listen to it, or the way that you read it may not be the same way that they can do that. So this takes time, it takes a lot of patience, and it takes a hell of a lot of listening. You have to listen. Uh, Surveying is a great way to do this. You want to get so clear on who this, they call it an ICA, you know, it's that idea has been around since the eighties of, of marketing, your ideal customer avatar. You got to get so clear on who that person is and how you are the solution to whatever problem it is that they have.
0: Yeah. And it's so true. And we've talked about it so many times on the show, because like mm-hmm. you said, you know, there's only all roads lead to, to, to eat it. And in one way or another, you know, there's, there's only one truth. A lot of people get overwhelmed with that. And then they're like, forget it. Because when they're just starting out, they think that they can do it for everyone. They don't know how to narrow it down. But if I'm overwhelmed by that and I'm listening right now and I'm like, I don't know even how to begin, who's my ideal customer avatar. What's a way to figure that out?
1: Uh, Make it up. It's what I did when I first started. I literally started asking myself a series of questions of what I thought this person would answer and who I thought this person was. Where does this person live? I don't know. Maybe she lives in Atlanta, Georgia. How old is this person? I don't know. Maybe between the ages of 25 and 35. And what I discovered through, and this is just from my experience, at least in the beginning, this person looked a lot like me. This person had the same struggles, the same challenges, uh, a similar background. Um, she was Googling and searching and researching for the same problems that I was. So I found that a lot of what I needed to initially create, which I, I'm sure Kathy, you've had this experience too. One of the first few products and services I created was something that I was trying to find myself that wasn't there. And so I created it.
0: Yep. And that's what I I I was I wasn't sure what you would say. I knew whatever you would say would be good, but it's so good. And it's so it's amazing how it's like right in front of our face, right? Mm-hmm. Like, whose pain do you know? Yours. Yours. Right. So it's right. like I don't know what it's like to be a mom, a single mom with six kids. I can't even imagine, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that just sounds so impossible. And there are people who can help that mom. There are things that I know. I know. I know what it's like to be a kid whose parents were divorced and there was a lot of awful stuff going on at home and I didn't feel seen. And mm-hmm. I know what it's like to want to do a creative job and to have left my day job. Like
1: I can talk to those people and I turn around and I'm like, oh, it's a lot like me, right? It's a lot like me. Oh, I lo- I love that. Like, well, and the idea of making it up, the reason why I say that is because I feel like what keeps people stuck is that they're so afraid of doing something wrong. They want to give something time, they want to give something energy, resources, even they'll, you know, they want to give something money if they know they're going to get something back. But they're so afraid of that return of investment or that lack of return of investment that they don't make an investment at all. And so they just stay up here in their heads in the little thinking train, and then a year goes by, and two years go by, and before you know it, 10 years have gone by, and you haven't taken action on anything. So you just have to take action. That's why I literally, my first ideal client avatar, I just made her up. I didn't know who she was. I didn't have any clients. I didn't have any customers. I didn't have an audience, but I needed to start somewhere. So I just took action. And if I got it wrong, quote unquote, hell yeah, because now I can redirect growth and redirection are the two biggest things. That's the only two things that you should be worried about when you're first starting to grow anything. Can I grow and can I be redirected? That's it. Well,
0: I mean, I really love everything you're saying. I wish I could just keep repeating this episode for people on our show over and over to hear it's so good. So what you just said, I mean, it's everything. One of the blocks that I hear coming up on this show all the time is who am I to do it anyway? Mm. There's already 60 other people that do the exact same thing. Why would I even try? I'm going to make such a fool of myself. Mm-hmm. There's no room for me.
1: Yeah. Whenever anyone says that to me too, or a question like that, I now respond with this question that I'm about to share, because this is the same question I had to ask myself when I used to say that to myself. What's the payoff in thinking that? Hmm you know, because there has to be a payoff, right? Even if it's a negative one, what is the payoff in you telling yourself that everyone else has already done it so there's no room left for you? Does it allow you to stay small? Does it allow you to keep making excuses and not take ownership of your own life and the choices and decisions that you make? Does it allow you to blame other people, places, and things for the fact of your life not going the way that you think it should go? Does it allow you to continue to be resentful because you can't have what you want when you want it how you want it? You know, what is the payoff in you thinking that? And this is the hardest thing because when you start answering those questions, when you have to start really getting honest with yourself of like, wow, I'm doing this to myself because I am so afraid of admitting that I am the reason why my life isn't happening in the way way that I want it to happen, that I can no longer blame my dad or my mom or my boss or my husband or my dog or whoever that I want to blame for it I have to take full ownership. I'm fully responsible, which means I have the answer to change it. That is the scariest thing that you will ever discover about yourself. Is the world an ugly place? No, it's just an ugly place because I'm choosing to think that it's an ugly place. So I just have to get clear. And it's, if you want to think it's an ugly place, then that's fine. But just own that. Own those thoughts those decisions, those choices, those actions, inactions, or reactions that you're choosing to have, which then give you the results that you're getting in your life.
0: Brilliant. I know that my audience, they really want to start to gain traction, you know, to, to build their own business. And it feels really overwhelming to say, okay, I'm going to start to think about my, who my client is. All right. I got that. But like, What would be the next few steps to take that you've seen in your own life that work when you want to build a brand, when you want to get clients to be visible,
1: what would be some of those first important steps? It would be to create a product or a service for that audience that's a little bit of a low-hanging fruit, if you will. And my thought idea behind that is that if you try to do something massive out the gate that's either going to cost a lot of money, resources, or people to make happen, and you're just not there yet... Most of the time what happens is that you don't get those ducks in a row in the time in which you thought you were because you have all these expectations. And if you're really being honest with yourself, expectations are just premeditated resentments anyway. So you just start with all of this expectation train and then it doesn't happen the way that you're wanting it to or it's not coming together fast enough or whatever it is. And you start to lose endurance. You start to lose confidence. You start to lose all of this stuff and then you just give up. And so it's really about finding something that you know that you can at least start with and take action on that you know that your audience wants that's a little bit of a a lower hanging fruit for you right that maybe you can take on the bulk of the work and then just hire out what is what you absolutely cannot do maybe something that's not going to be too time consuming if you've got six kids at home but you're still showing up taking time for yourself and being of service what are those small things that you can start to create to get you to a place that you have the product or the service or whatever it is that you're offering to then go and sell to that marketplace. You can create something small first, get it out there, and it starts to get feedback and you start to get customers or clients or what have you. What that does is it fills your tank up. It builds the confidence up to keep going. It builds the bank account up to keep going. It builds all of those little things that you need to then go to the next step. And so a lot of times with my community, I'll either see them not take action at all because they're so afraid. So they're just kind of doing this like back and forth thing and they don't go anywhere or they're like, okay, I'm going to try to create this,
0: yeah, this yeah. massive,
1: blah, 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 you know, event and thousands of people need to be there. And I'm in, and, and I'm like, whoa, sister, like you haven't even done, you know, a workshop at your local community center yet. You know, it's like, let's just scale it back a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. I say that all the time with PR and media. If you want to get media and you've never gotten media before, stop pitching good morning America right out the gate, go to your local TV station, go to your local newspaper, go go local build a deck from there, and then build out, then go regional, then go citywide, then go statewide, then go to the big dogs, right? But start small. Allow yourself to get the experience and the credibility and all of that stuff that you need to keep going. Because if you don't, you're going to have a really hard time competing against someone else, right? Competing, who has all of the resources that they need, but then they also have the drive and the passion to yeah, do it exactly. because they've been doing it at yeah. that scale longer. Than, right, right. Right. Exactly.
0: That's so brilliant. I love that you shared that. It makes so much sense. Once you, let's say, have done the local, right, and now you're looking at scaling your business, in the things that you've done from blogging, your Instagram, your podcast. What would you say? everybody kind of needs to get on board with if they want more awareness and more connection. What would be
1: some of those things? Investing in their business. Hiring help when you need it. Putting money back into education, into resources, into coaching, into programs, into team, whatever it is that you need. Now, obviously, I'm not saying to do this with blind faith. You've got to be responsible for the choices that you make. But the biggest thing that I see that happen to people is that They start to build something themselves, right? And they get themselves to a certain point, but then they start to plateau. And a lot of times from my experience, it's because they're afraid to invest back into their business. They're afraid to invest in the coach or to invest in the graphic designer or to invest in the website or to invest in the personal assistant or, or whatever that may be. That is the biggest thing that I find is that people hit a point because they've just been doing it all themselves that they think that they can just keep doing it all themselves. And I think it depends on what what you want. What kind of business do you want? Do you want to have a team? Do you want to be responsible for all that? Even if you want to be a one-man show, I'm good for that. But you still need helping hands to keep things going.
0: Let's talk about the coaching for a second when you're talking to people about your shine program, when you're talking to people about what it is that a coach can do for you, tell us why you think it's so critical and what it is that, that you feel like that, that gives a person.
1: Yeah. You know, from my experience and I, I have a feeling Kathy that you're this way as a coach, a coach that comes in to try to fix you or change you is not the kind of coach that I want. Coaching to me is holding the container in space so, someone else can learn how to think and feel for themselves with the goal of never having to use me again <laughs> like that's that 's really the goal. I want you to trust yourself enough because you know what 's best i don 't know what 's best. I can give you my own experience for my own life in hopes that that gives you some kind of strength or or something to go off of for you to have those aha moments for yourself but you are the wisest person that you know. You're, you're going to know what's best for your life and your business and your children and your marriage and your family dynamics more than anyone else. And so for me, it's about creating a safe space so people can get to that place, to come with all of their baggage. You don't have to have it all figured out, to learn how to see the way that you think in a different way, see it from a different perspective. Because what I've also learned through years of my own self-healing and self-recovery is that if the only perspective that you trust is your own, then you have a problem. Yeah. So it's really about getting those other perspectives and then using your own inner wisdom to make the best choices for you. But a lot of times you, people don't even have the confidence to do that. And so that's where a coach, a good coach can come in.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I love your word, self-recovery. I love that. I love hearing those words put together. Tell us what makes your program different than other programs. How have you designed it? Um, Do you do business coaching as well as life coaching? If you do, how is it different than something like B-School?
1: Yeah. So um, my coaching, it's, it's a monthly coaching. You get me and the way that it's set up is we're on a Zoom call right now, Kathy. So you and I would be in a coaching time. Other people in the community are invited to watch so they can learn and apply whatever we're talking about to their own business and life, but they're not able to chat, talk, be seen, or interrupt in your coaching time. Now, some people's coaching may take, it may take us 10 minutes to get through whatever question they may have. Other people, it may take 30 or 45 minutes. I honor whatever time that person needs. The coaching is first come, first serve, and we do calls throughout the month that way and you just show up with your question, it can be about, you know, my husband doesn't support my dreams, or it can be about, you know, how do I grow SEO on my website? A lot of strategy, but then a lot of personal development and a lot of mindset also goes into that. And the way that I think that it's different than some of the other ones out there is that you get me, which I love, or at least that's different from my community. With with Shine, which is my coaching, it's the first time that I've really offered me in a one-on-one style setting. You also get my team for calls so you can ask them questions and dive in. And then you get the community. You get accountability calls with each other, again, just to really get that support. And so our goal is, is really about community first, bringing them together. You guys, this is so unbelievably awesome.
0: and And with all that, Do you also have sort of a curriculum where you're walking people through certain things? And what are those essential pieces of the curriculum?
1: Yes, we have monthly trainings where experts will come in to train on the specific topic. So we have a lot with niching down because that's a big one for our community. Like, what do we focus on first? We have uh, one on productivity, finances, getting your finances in order, and then every training comes with a workbook, and that's kind of your homework for the month. Think of it like Netflix, right? It's not meant to consume every little piece of content that comes out. It's like take what you like and leave the rest, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so we have trainings, we have the coaching calls every month, we have the accountability calls every month, we have obviously our community. And then we do three in-person workshops throughout the year. And every member of Shine gets to come to one of those workshops completely free. And they also get to bring either a spouse or a business partner free of charge as well.
0: It's So good. It's so cool. Is it a yearly membership or do they only have to pay month to month? And, And how much does it cost?
1: It's month to month. You can cancel at any time. If you do cancel, we don't, you have to wait another year before you get in. And then there's a bonus. So once you're a member for six months, you get to like the next level basically. And what that allows you to do is get another coaching call with me a month and just more access to other things with me that you don't get. And so those are kind of our bonuses, our six month tier and our 12 month tier cancel at any time. And it's $2.99 a month. Amazing. We're opening doors February 17th. You can go to juliesolomon.net slash shine. There's a wait list now that you can go ahead and get on, which will give you a ton of information and tell you kind of more about how it all works. Um, but we'll open doors then and then we might open doors in the fall but we don't have plans as of now to do it cuz i'm having a baby in july no way yeah. i didn't know that that's mm. so exciting i know i'm excited so um and we have you know because of my incredible community of amazing people that i know we have so much support for the community in shine for kind of guests to come in i'm only going to be missing i think like two calls which is great yeah. it's amazing you i mean I can't even
0: imagine what your coaching is like because what you just throw down for free on your own podcast, on this podcast. Before we hop off two more minutes, I just wanna talk about your podcast for a second. We've mentioned it, but tell us what your podcast is about and tell us why you, you wanted to do it.
1: Yeah. So again, it was, I was looking for podcasts like that. And at the time, you know, other than my amazing friend now, Amy Porterfield, there wasn't really a lot of other female driven entrepreneurial podcasts out there. So I started one and it's called the Influencer Podcast. And we talk a lot about branding, entrepreneurship, building a business, what it's like to build a business. It's predominantly having guests come on. There are some solo episodes with me, but it's predominantly that format of having incredible women and men and women like you, Kathy, that come on and just share their gifts and their service and their brilliance with the world. And you know, it it really kind of took off and and built a community within itself. And I'm very proud of it. It's probably my favorite thing that I get to do other than coaching. Um, It's completely free. It will always be free. Um, And we're able to have it that way because a lot of our incredible listeners become, you know, other members of our communities in other ways. And it's just a great way to show up and give some of my best stuff away for free and really help people change their lives. And grow a business that they're super proud of. Yeah. Gosh, that's so cool.
0: Everything you're doing is blessed. It's just got goodness all over it. And I'm so appreciative that you shared so much of this with us. And as people are leaving right now and, and they're really fired up and they're excited, what do you want to leave them with?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that just that idea of going easy on yourself, because with that loneliness, with that isolation, with trying to just figure it all out with having life. It can be, it can be a lot, the stress, the anxiety, the overwhelm, that idea of I'm just so overwhelmed. It's just not going to change. One of the biggest things that have helped me in that process and really allowing myself to stay in my lane is that when I start to kind of go in my spin and freak out about stuff, I have to ask myself, does this have my name on it? Yes or no. And if it doesn't have my name on it, like, can I really change this? Is this really my responsibility? If it's no, then I can release it. And then if it's yes, then I just ask myself, you know, the simple question of what can I do today to get me closer to where I want to go? And how can I start making decisions as that future person that I want to be, not the person that I am today? Mm. Beautiful. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So um, on Instagram mostly, and that's at Jules, J-U-L-S, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. And then uh, juliesolomon.net is my website. And juliesolomon.net slash shine is where you can go to learn more about coaching.
0: I love it. I'm so glad that we finally connected. No, me too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. So amazing, right? I love talking to her. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one, your passions might change. Your purpose remains the same. Number two, ask yourself, why does this matter to me? What problem do I solve? Number three, know who you're talking to, where they are and how they retain the results you promised them. Number four, just take action. If you get it wrong, say heck yeah, because now, now you can redirect. Number five, start small, build the credibility and momentum to keep going. Number six, you are the wisest person you know. You know what's best for you. And number seven, go easy on yourself. Okay, let's celebrate your wins. Sarah said this in our Facebook group. I started my podcast last August because of the masterclass that Kathy did last summer. I had no plans to be a podcaster before that, but it sounded like fun, so I went for it. In 22 episodes, we now have over 20,000 downloads. I got really brave about a month ago and I sent an email to a well-respected psychiatrist and author inviting him to be a guest. I had that email sitting in my drafts folder for months, but was finally able to hit send. He responded in about three hours and he said, yes, I would love to be on. The episode came out yesterday and I'm so proud of it. I hope you're going to check it out and let me know what you think. I also want to encourage anyone who's thinking about starting something like this to go for it. You never know what might happen or what kind of impact you might have. Someone out there needs to hear your story and it's probably more than a few someone's. Sarah, that is so cool. I'm so excited about this. I love what you're saying. It is so true. You really don't know what can happen when you hit record, when you press send on that email and you just do it. You guys can go check out Sarah's podcast. It's called the Quiet Ones Podcast. And the episode she's referring to is with the psychiatrist, Ross Rosenberg. Way to go, Sarah. Okay, here's the next win. Brenda posted a picture of her super cute cookies and she wrote, After the five-day challenge, I was told to give myself permission to do the mediocre thing and to not be perfect. I can't say I'm starting my business yet, but 2020 is going to be a year of practicing and letting people know what I do. The pictures are things I have done and what I'm working on. It's not perfect. And that is okay because it's going to get better. Brenda, I love that you're thinking this way. You a hundred percent don't need to be perfect. Although your cookies look pretty darn delicious in my opinion, and you're going to keep improving the next iteration and the one after that I remember my friend Greg Mandel said it took him like 2000 croissants until he really felt like he was mastering it. And even then he's still growing all the time. I can't wait to see what evolves from this and how it might turn into a business. So please, please keep us posted. If you have a win that you want to share, you can post it in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group, or you can DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller. We have some amazing episodes coming up. So good, you guys. Really, I can't wait for what's in store. It just keeps getting better. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and go ahead and leave us a review. I mentioned before that I am doing a scholarship giveaway for my glow retreat, which is a $3,500 value. So if you go to my Instagram, you're going to find that one of the ways to enter the giveaway is to leave us a review on iTunes. So if you already left us a review, great. If you haven't yet, go ahead, leave us a review and enter the giveaway on my Instagram at kathy.heller. If you want to help support this show even more, the best thing you can do is share this episode or any episode with a person that you love. There's so many souls out there that need to be reawakened that are waiting to come home back to what they love. And each one of us has the ability to help them arrive back home, really to feel like themselves. The glow applications are due February 9th. If you want to come to the retreat, we have about four spots left. I love you guys. I hope you have an amazing weekend. Don't forget there's a pre-sale on the arrive summit two-day event we're doing. You can go check that out in the link in my Instagram bio or the link in the show notes. And I can't wait to talk to you guys on Monday. So